Man, this place is falling apart. Looks like cleanup on aisle four. Why don't you take a picture of the last lugger? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're talking about stuff. Things and stuff. And what I mean is all that stuff, all those things, all the crap your parents have lying around their house. And I'm not talking about the blankets and the pillows. I'm not talking about the books on the shelves. I'm talking about that antique dresser. I'm talking about grandma's vintage wedding dress. I'm talking about those collectibles. All that stuff that they're holding on to. We're going to talk about that today. Because at some point, it's going to become your problem. And I know this from experience. And the question becomes, what the hell are you going to do with all that stuff? Now, I don't have answers for you, but we can talk about it. Maybe give you some ideas. Now, as longtime listeners know, my parents passed on a while ago and I was left to clean up their stuff. My brother and sister helped, but it was primarily my duty because I lived the closest and I was there. So I spent literally months going through their stuff. But even before they died... There was that process of downsizing, of giving stuff to us, us kids, that parents like to engage in. Like my dad would prepare care packages, extra tools, an old first aid kit he would get in an auction box of stuff, three vases for flowers. And that was all useful stuff. It was nice to have. But we would also get all kinds of not-so-useful stuff. Uh, Here's three extra blankets in case you need them. Dad, we really don't need any extra blankets. Well, you never know. And the blankets would be from some smelly old auction, probably used on the back of a horse back in the late 1800s. But it's an extra one, so you could use it. That was my dad's philosophy. You never know when you're going to need an old, woolen, smelly, horsey blanket. And then the thing is, he puts you in that position where you have to do that calculation. Okay, am I going to insult dad if I don't take the blankets? And if I don't take them, then he's going to keep them and then try to give them to me some other time. But now I've got to find a place to store them. And oh God, what am I going to do? So you wind up taking the blankets. And you know what? A lot of the stuff that my parents had, a lot of the stuff that my parents collected, it was partly because of the way they were brought up and partly because of the era that they went through. My parents were raised after the Depression. And for those who've never experienced an actual depression, which is most of us, it was a horrible time. You have to read about it. The high unemployment, the lack of any money, banks crashing, stocks falling. It was a horrible economic time in this country. And so when you had stuff, you held on to it. You didn't want to lose anything. You didn't want to waste anything. And you didn't want to throw anything away. So there's a lot of that mentality in the older generation that they try to pass on to you and that I have. My parents successfully passed that on to me. You don't want to waste things. You never know when you're going to need it. So they collected things and they held on to things. And they wanted me to hold on to things. And to this day, I still hold on to a lot of stuff that I probably don't need to. But that was built into me because of my parents. For example, cleaning out my dad's basement. I found at least five different vacuum cleaners. None of them working. But I remember him holding on to them for parts. Because you never knew when you might find another vacuum cleaner like the one you have in the basement. And then you could just put the parts together and create one working vacuum cleaner. That was his mentality. He would go to auctions and he would buy garden tools. He had to have at least six different shovels in the garage. Now, my dad didn't run a landscaping business. He was one guy. He didn't need six shovels, all virtually identical, but he had them. And I guess it's because if one handle broke, you'd have another one. 
And it wasn't just shovels, brooms, rakes, hoes, snow shovels, and then into the workbench, screwdrivers, hammers, wrenches, socket sets. He didn't have just one or just two of anything. He had three or four or five of everything. So there was a lot of stuff that was at my parents' house just for my dad's side of things. My mother also held on to things. I do remember the huge stack of National Geographic magazines in the top of the closet. I don't know why she held on to National Geographic magazines for years and years and years and years. But that was a thing. For people of a certain age, you can go into their closets, into their basements, into their attics, and you will find collections of National Geographic magazines. It's a great magazine. It has wonderful pictures. It had some really interesting articles. But I'm not sure why they held on to 20 years of National Geographic magazines. Now, in the spirit of full disclosure, I hold on to magazines too. My intention is to actually read them. I love reading, and at one point I subscribed to a number of different magazines, but I found myself falling behind, so I'd make a stack of magazines, and when we'd go away on a trip, I'd put them in my suitcase, I'd put them in my carry-on, and I'd read them, either on the plane or when we got to the location. That was my plan. I was catching up on my magazine reading and my book reading. I also have a backlog of books, too. But I don't hold on to the magazines to save them. After I've read them, I get rid of them. My mom would read her magazines. National Geographic was the prime example. She also had one called American Heritage. I've mentioned this magazine before. It was actually a magazine that came with a hardcover. And she had stacks of American Heritage in the closet, too. Again, really good articles, really interesting magazine. But when you're done with it, I tend to get rid of them. She didn't. So you've got all those kinds of things that are out there that your parents collect. And then there's other things, like the big pieces of furniture. That big hutch in the corner where you would have drawers full of placemats and tablecloths. That was Aunt Sarah's, and she got that from Great Aunt Selma. That old smelly couch over there with the wood trim and the velour seat covers. That was Uncle Joe's favorite couch. We use that in the spare room because nobody wants to sit on it because it's really smelly, but it's Uncle Joe's. How about that dining room set? The dining room set you ate on from the time you were five years old until you moved out of the house? Your parents still have that because it's a Louis XIV replica or whatever it is. It's been in the family for years. We can't get rid of it. Except it weighs 400 pounds and the chairs are heavy as hell. Yeah, it'll last, but it's ugly. But we can't get rid of it. And I get that philosophy. You've had a great dining room set. It's solid. Why replace it? You don't need a new one. And growing up with that Depression-era mentality, you don't replace something that still works. Oh, that dining room table is perfectly fine. Yeah, I know, Dad, but there's scratches in it. The leg wobbles. The chairs are 400 pounds apiece. So you have that Depression-era mentality bumping up against our mentality now where everything is disposable because it's cheap. We live in Ikea land. We live in Target land. We live in Walmart land, where you can get a dining room table for 100 bucks, and when it falls apart, you get another one for 100 bucks. And it's easy to move, and you don't feel bad if you don't feel like moving it. We've transitioned from a generation of people who hold on to everything and collect everything to a generation of people who have a more disposable view of possession. And things don't mean as much. I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a thing. I mean, I like my dining room table. If my kids don't want my dining room table after I'm gone, I don't care. I picked it. It's my taste. If they don't like it, okay. And when I'm gone, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to haunt them because they didn't take my dining room table? You should be eating dinner off of my table. I mean, what the hell? Who cares if they don't want the table? 
But our parents and our grandparents cared about that stuff. That's one of the reasons that I have so much guilt about throwing certain things away that my parents held on to for years. And that's one of the reasons I still have bins of stuff of theirs. Because I know they would never throw it away. So it's hard for me to bring myself to throw it away because I know they wouldn't have thrown it away. They're not here to yell at me, but that guilt persists. Like I have a bin of stuff from my mom's high school years. What the hell am I supposed to do with that? I know I'm supposed to throw it away. Nobody cares. My kids aren't going to care that my mom was the lead in her high school play. I've told them that. They went, oh yeah, that's nice to know. But who cares about the program from then? I mean, I saw it, I have it, I looked at it, and then I put it back in the bin. But I didn't throw it away. And that's because of my parents. I hear them in my head. Oh, that's still perfectly good. Don't throw away stuff that you can still use. Those are the voices that run through my head. And it's nice to have a little memory of the stuff that my mom did and my dad did before I was around. It's kind of cool to remember that they were people before they were parents. But I know that now, so I don't really need to hold on to the evidence. And at some point, I'm going to get rid of it eventually. As soon as I can wrestle with my guilt to the point that I don't feel too, too bad by doing so. One of the things that I've done to help assuage that guilt is I take pictures of things that my parents owned that I think I should try to remember at some point, and then I throw the thing away. I take a picture of a program, of a yearbook. I take a picture of something that I know meant something to my mom or to my dad. And I can look at the pictures and remember it, and the picture takes up far less room than a yearbook or a program or an old jewelry collection or a stack of old textbooks. Yes, you heard me right. My mother still had textbooks from her college days, on our bookshelves when she died. And it was up to me to do something with them. So while the textbooks may have had some meaning for her, I didn't take pictures of those. Those went to a book sale. But there were other things. Old wrapping paper, old programs, old books that obviously had some sentimental value to her that I was never going to read. I would take a picture and then get rid of it. But I haven't done that with everything because it's hard. It's hard to do. It's your parents'. With my dad, as I'm sure a lot of long-time listeners know, he went to the garage sales, he went to the auctions, and he collected all kinds of stuff. And his plan was always buy it cheap here, sell it more expensive over there. And he had his own pipeline from the cheap garage sale to the auction where it would get a much higher price. Old china sets, old tea sets, carnival glass, depression glass, all kinds of things that he would pick up at the sales, he would stack on the shelves. And he kept his little logs and he kept track of who was selling what for him. And he was making money. And it worked out great for him. He enjoyed it. But when he passed, we had shelves and shelves of this crap that I wasn't going to do anything with. It was important to him, but it was meaningless to me. So I was stuck with all of this stuff and had to find a way to do something with it. Now, I knew that my dad knew the value of this stuff. And I knew that he cared about this stuff. It was older stuff. It was stuff that he grew up with. So he understood the value. And there was a part of him that wanted to keep that stuff alive and also make a little profit off of it. But it meant nothing to me. But because it was important to my father, I felt guilty trying to get rid of it. And so I was torn. What we wound up doing was having a big estate sale. It went three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We had some experts come in, help us set it up, help us stage it. So all of the stuff that we could get rid of that other people might be interested in, we put up for sale at this estate sale. And there's the tip for you, by the way. When you get to this point in your lives, and you will, if there's a lot of crap you got to get rid of, a state sale is the way to go. 
If you have auctioneers in your area, you could do it that way too. You could have one of those old estate sales with an auctioneer, or you could do it as an estate sale, kind of like a garage sale, where they wander through the house and look at things and everything has a price tag on it. Either way works, and it helps get rid of some of the guilt that you might have just throwing stuff away. But that's what we did. We got rid of a lot of stuff at the estate sale. By no means did we get rid of all of the stuff. I mean, after the estate sale was done, after my brother and sister and I took all of the stuff that we wanted, that we would have a use for, or that we couldn't bring ourselves to throw away, including my mom's memory box from her high school days, which I still have, I spent weeks filling up dumpsters, literally dumpsters of stuff that was just getting thrown away. And the thing that I learned from this is... Whatever collections you have, whatever you think is important to you, is not necessarily going to be important to anybody else. Because there was a whole bunch of stuff that my mom and dad valued that nobody wanted. I didn't want it. My brother and sister didn't want it. The dozens and dozens of people who came through through three days of an estate sale, they didn't want it. And that stuff filled up five dumpsters. I had to call the hauling company five times to bring us a replacement dumpster so I could continue emptying out the house. That's how much stuff they accumulated over the years. And that was the stuff that I had to go through. The biggest takeaway for me from this is that by and large, the stuff that your parents are saving for you or your grandparents are saving for you, you probably don't want and probably no one else does either. And I'm talking Uncle Joe's couch. I'm talking Aunt Sarah's hutch. I'm talking that replica dining room set. Nobody really wants that stuff. You may, but your kids are not going to. They're not going to want it. And you shouldn't feel bad about that. Now, I'm going to give you some things here. Some of this stuff was in my parents' house. Some of it is in your parents' house. Some of it was in my grandparents' house. Some of it may be in your grandparents' house. I'm going to tell you, you can probably get rid of this stuff. The first thing is, those hutches, those dining room sets, the china cabinet, unless you're furnishing a house from scratch, you probably don't need to hold on to that stuff. I mean, I've been to auctions where they sell off entire bedroom sets for $5. Because nobody needs a dresser, two nightstands, and a standing mirror that doesn't match anything in their house. So those big hunks of furniture, you probably don't need to hold on to those. Fine china. You've all seen those fancy china sets. You know, the stuff you only bring out for company or on the holidays. And if you break a plate or you break a saucer, it's irreplaceable because they don't make that pattern anymore. Nobody wants that. I didn't want my parents. I don't have any to give my kids. My kids are going to get my Corel wear. That's it. And yeah, maybe it's worth something. Maybe there's a collector still out there who wants that rosewood pattern. But for the most part, fine china is not something that people are going to want anymore. Antique dolls? Who has an antique doll collection in their family? Grandma has it. Aunt Katie has it. Nobody wants antique dolls. We've all seen Chucky or the boy far too many times. We don't want those dolls creeping up our house. No thank you. Plus, they take up a lot of room. You gotta dust them. You have to find a place to sit it. And not too far removed from those antique dolls, ceramic figures. For instance, Precious Moments. Do you remember Precious Moments? Those stupid little figurines, cherubic little kids, in cute little poses. If you were stuck for a gift, you'd go to the Hallmark store and get a Precious Moments figure. Here, look what I bought you. People collected Precious Moments through the 70s, through the 80s. Not only because they were cute, but everybody thought they'd be collectible one day. They're dust collectors. But who really wants a Precious Moments figure anymore? I mean, seriously. Not far from the precious moments were the Beanie Babies. Do you remember the Beanie Babies? They were huge in the 80s and the 90s. And people have huge collections of those Beanie Babies. And nobody wants them. The other collectible at the other end of the spectrum, if you put the precious moments in the middle, the Beanie Babies at the cheap end, you had the Hummel figurines. Do you know what a Hummel is? 
It's basically an expensive, precious moments figure. The Hummels came out of Germany, the original Hummels, that is. Company made them in the 1930s. Grandmothers were great for collecting Hummels. If you go to a garage sale or an auction at an old house, you are sure to find Hummel figurines. I remember when I was a kid going to auctions with my dad, Hummels would bring in a lot of money because people wanted to collect them because they were collectibles and they would be worth money someday. Yeah, they were kind of cute if you like little ceramic figurines. And the fact that they came out of Germany before the war, I guess that was a selling factor as well. Do you know anybody who collects Hummels? Do you even know what a Hummel is? If you don't, that's why Hummels aren't worth holding on to. Because nobody remembers. In fact, there's a lot of collectible crap out there that nobody really wants. A lot of tourist destinations would sell souvenir bells, or souvenir thimbles, or souvenir spoons, or souvenir shot glasses. And people would have these huge collections. They have a thimble from every state in the Union. They have a souvenir spoon from every capital of every state in the Union. They have a little porcelain bell from every country they've ever been to. And they have these things mounted on racks or shelves, hanging on the wall. And it's a reminder to them of all the wonderful places they've been. And that's great. It's a wonderful thing. And they probably dropped three or $400 on that whole collection. But what are you going to do with it? Do you care that Grandma Ida went to Niagara Falls and Chicago and Green Bay and that she has a spoon from each of those places? I'm betting you don't. But you're going to have to deal with these collections or just throw them away. Another thing you're going to find a bunch of? Cookie jars. All different kinds of cookie jars in all different shapes and sizes. Now, how many people actually use cookie jars anymore? I have a cookie jar on my cupboard, and it's because I remember it from when I was a kid. My parents bought it on their honeymoon, and I have it sitting on the cupboard, but I don't use it as a cookie jar because it's just a memento to me of my parents' honeymoon. I remember the story, I remember them telling when they got it, and I remember us using it when we were growing up as an actual cookie jar. So it's important to me... It's not going to mean anything to my kids, and I don't expect them to hold on to it. But other families collected cookie jars. Kind of like the shot glasses, kind of like the thimbles, they would get a cookie jar everywhere they went. Or they'd have a cookie jar for every season, or for every cool thing that they liked. If you do a search on Google for cookie jars, look up vintage cookie jars. You will see so many cool-looking cookie jars out there. But who needs a cookie jar collection anymore? Who has the space for something like that? Our cookies these days go into a Tupperware container. Keeps them fresh. Cookie jars are cool, just don't need a collection. And speaking of don't need a collection, salt and pepper shakers. I don't need those. But that's another thing you're going to find on people's shelves. Salt and pepper collections. It used to be when you sat down at dinner, you would bring out a salt shaker and a pepper shaker. And they would often match. My grandmother had ears of corn salt and pepper shakers. I remember those vividly. And when you're sitting at a nice dinner with everybody around the table, some people would need salt, some people would need pepper, so you'd put the shakers out. Here's another search for you. Search vintage salt and pepper shakers and see how many things are out there. They had salt and pepper shakers for everything. And I remember my grandmother had tons of them on her shelves. Depended on the time of year, depended on her mood, which ones would we bring out? But you will find some homes have shelves and shelves of salt and pepper shakers. Not current homes, not young adults in their 20s or their 30s, but if you get into the boomer homes or older, oh yeah, you will find salt and pepper shakers coming out the wazoo. I guess my point of telling you about all of this is simply this. Your parents, your grandparents are going to have a lot of stuff that you're going to have to go through at some point. And on top of that, you're going to have a lot of stuff that your kids or your family is going to have to go through at some point. There's nothing wrong with decluttering and downsizing. And one of the reasons I'm doing this episode today is so that I can remind myself it's okay to get rid of this crap. 
Nobody else cares about it, so just go get rid of it. I'm still not quite ready to throw away Mom's high school theater memory box, but I'm a little bit closer today. And I hope this pushes you a little closer to helping you get rid of stuff that you don't need to hold on to either. There's one more thing that I didn't mention that I do have a box of that I really can't bring myself to throw away, at least not yet, and it's old love letters. I have old love letters from my grandma and my grandpa to each other, obviously, and from my mom and dad to each other, obviously. And I've gone through them, and I've read them, and it's kind of sweet and kind of nice to see the way people talked to each other and took the time to write letters to each other. In this text-to-message generation that we live in now, these letters that we have are like permanent proof of the relationships and the love that got me to where I am. Because if my grandmother and grandfather didn't love each other and exchange these letters, and if my parents didn't exchange these love letters over the years, I wouldn't be here. And so I look at these letters as kind of the backstory to me. So it's a little harder for me to throw those away. And in the back of my mind, I have this idea, maybe I should just make a book of these letters and just trace the history. Maybe it's a way to preserve the love of generations in a more permanent form. Just a thought. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for listening. As always, I appreciate your support, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time to listen. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.